0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. We good? Mm-hmm. All
3: right. Starting in five, four, three, two, Bingo.
2: 14. Hello everybody and welcome to 40 going on 14. I am Mike.
4: I'm Patrick.
3: I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, but extreme obesity makes me more of a sit-down, lounge-around, on-the-couch comedian.
2: Thought you were going to start rapping there. Sit down,
4: <laughs> lounge-around. Lounge lounge-around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a rapper either.
3: Take a beer and pound it down. Donuts. <laughs> Donuts. Donuts. <laughs> I'm young, I'm... <laughs>
0: Damn it, I guess it am I'm hot, you're cold, I'm young, and I'm old. zabba da day
2: Who? Salt-and-pepper. So, Bye. as, um... I think we probably, just made another million. Yeah. You probably have not guessed. Today, this week's show is about stand-up comedians. Because I'm sure all the rap... Stuff gave it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, comedians. We are uh, going to be talking about stand-up comedians then, the ones that we watched when we were kids, and the ones that we watch now, just like all the other shows we do.
3: oh, uh, yeah, but I think this one is interesting in particular for us because each of the four of us, beyond doing podcasts or whatever, at one point or another has had some sort of connection to the comedy world. That's true. Josh and I were in a
2: um, – uh, comedy troupe together for a little while.
3: Yeah, and a uh, guy went on to do other uh, different kind of stuff. And I know Pat uh, has had some stand-up lately.
2: Yeah, and Joel, yep. unfortunately, is not funny. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what just happened?
0: I did stand-up in high school, and then I've been doing this stuff. Yeah. Damn you, Michael. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Saw the shot, and I took it. All right. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so, getting That's on with it. what she said. Yeah, you know who all said it? the people at musings of a geek network (laughs) Nice. that was an awkward
3: transition worthy
2: of second yeah so uh worthy of amy schumer (laughs) over there at uh, musings of a geek you can see a bunch of cool podcasts along with 40 going on 14 like culture babble podcast uh that'll play red horse radio arrow of time and the left field sports lounge once again the left
3: field sports lounge our favorite sports podcast that i don't think any of us has ever listened to we Really
2: have to?
0: Did you say? Did you say they had of a name a show called "That'll Do Pig"? No. Oh, okay. Um, that would be weird to do a show about Babe. Anyway, moving on. Okay, I'm not funny. Shut up.
3: (laughs) If you'd like to hear other shows with Joel not being funny, you can access our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and the brand new www.40go14.com.
2: Yes, which is now up and running. The – the feed off of iTunes should be up and running perfectly now because I stole somebody's phone at work and subscribed to it. So our podcast off their phone, so now I'm pretty sure they're gonna wonder where the hell they're getting notices about our shows. But um, no, it uh, should be up and running and everything good. So big old cheers to the to Gabriel out at the tech uh, Cow tech support helping us getting everything fixed up.
3: So you, you like that ra- radio voice, Joel? My radio voice. I did a little bit of that with the uh, iTunes bloomer, essentially. And you can listen to us Saturdays at noon on Geek Live.
0: You're doing your puker voice. Is is that a thing? I hope
3: not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what
0: they call those guys that talk like this. Top of the hour. <laughs> it's 70 degrees outside. And coming up next, we got Dane Cook. That's called a puker voice.
4: Awesome. Stop doing that. I've never
0: heard it called that. Nobody likes that. (laughs) I'm going to do the whole
3: show like this just for you now.
4: It (laughs) it makes sense. I mean, it sounds like that's what it should be called, but I've never heard it called that.
3: Here we are with 40 Go 14 in the morning.
4: yabba dabba (laughs) ba I'm the
2: Jive Turkey. (laughs) All right. So, hey, if they want to listen to us any other times, where can they go? Uh, we already did that. But, we did. Uh, right yes, <laughs> we totally did that. Yep. Yes. Oh shit! Saturday's at noon. Uh, we should have been here, but it was great. Awesome. <laughs> hey, how uh, about listener feedback? Got any yes, of that? If
3: they if they'd like to give us some listener feedback, you can always give us a call at seven zero eight now rap That's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven. Or just with forty go fourteen amplifier. What what? what? Insert sound effect. <laughs> Exactly. Michael, fix
0: it in post. All
3: right. So, if uh, we do have some people who have given us a call uh, at the voicemail line, and if we're ready for listener feedback, let's get some uh, words of wisdom from Peg Leg Pete. Yep. Hey, 40 going
1: on 14. This is Peg Leg Pete. So, I literally just started listening to the Muppet Show uh, episode, so I have no idea what you're going to be talking about on it exactly. But, uh, so whenever we watch the, the Muppets movie, not the Muppets show, but the Muppets movie, you know what I mean, the new Muppets movie, but not the second new Muppets movie, um, it, my wife kind of likes to laugh at me about it because it is a little bit funny, but every time we watch that movie, there are three specific points that I just start openly weeping during the movie. The first is uh, when Kermit's walking around through his gigantic mansion by himself, thinking about how all, all of his friends are nothing but faces on the wall now. And then uh, towards the end of the movie, when they all get on stage to sing Rainbow Connection, and then immediately after that, when they go out of the theater, and it's like clockwork and I can't even help it. <laughs> So it's a little bit funny about that. So, anyway, I'm not, I'm not too proud to admit that I cry at see the movie sometimes. That's it. Talk to you guys later. Bye.
3: A very inspiring and an incredible downer all at once. Yes.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Pete. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, he did call back.
3: So we'll see if uh, we were able to make him happy with our rainbow connection through the uh, world of the Muppets, which has been a really popular show. I've uh, heard from people that uh, they enjoyed it. So thanks for your feedback. Uh, we enjoyed doing it. So well, let's see if uh, we, we eventually made Pete happy or if he just ended up crying uncontrollably throughout the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hey, it's pretty go on 14. It's again. So now that I've listened to about half of the show, Muppet show, show I've got uh, some additional Muppet comments. First, uh, I had to actually do some looking at it to make sure, because I wasn't sure. Uh, and you mentioned uh, Scooter and Skeeter from the Muppet Babies. And until really recently, I didn't realize that Skeeter, uh, Scooter's twin sister, never appeared in Muppet form in any of the movies or TV shows or anything. Um, which is really weird considering that she was one of the main characters in the show. Uh, second, uh, classic Muppet show, one of my favorite episodes and gags was the, uh, the John Denver stuff. He used to do all kinds of Muppet show related things. And I remember at one point uh, he had just finished singing the Garden Song and he and Gonzo are talking backstage, and uh, Gonzo's asking him for some tips on um, uh, various things. Uh, and John Denver thinks that Gonzo's talking about uh, singing tips, and, he's, and Gonzo's like, no, 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 not singing tips, gardening tips. Uh, and John Denver is, oh, I didn't know you had a garden. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've got a, this, i have got this. want to wear a vacation, and all the food in my fridge turned into mushrooms. And then the mushrooms all kind of appear around John Denver, and Gonzo leaves, and uh, John Denver starts singing, Nobody Knows the Truffles I've Seen, and the mushrooms attack him. (laughs) Uh, And finally, uh, like I said, I'm not totally through the show, but I'm up to the pre 2000 stuff, so I don't think you're going to mention this. Uh, And I'm not surprised because it only lasted for a season or two, but there was a follow-up to the traditional Muppet show called Muppets Tonight. uh, And it was basically uh, after Jim Henson died, um, they started doing a new version of the Muppet Show, like, updated Muppet shows. I had all, like, I don't remember. I mean, it was basically just an updated version of the classic Muppet show. And one of the guests they had was was (laughs) Brooks. And the gag of the show was that he didn't want to sing country music. He spent the whole show being, they were making, they were making him sing other kind of, making him sing, he'd go out and sing other kind of music and stuff. And finally, he's like, okay, okay, I'll sing a country song. So they cut to the stage, and he starts singing If I Were a Rich Man from Fiddler on the Roof. And Gonzo turns to the Buster office and goes, well, he didn't say which country. <laughs> and for some reason, that just cracked me up. Uh, well, I guess because it's funny is why it cracked me up. Anyway, uh, that is all I got. I finish, I will finish this
2: and the rest of the episode now. Thanks. Bob. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, you know, I
3: can't remember if we ever did get up Muppets tonight.
2: I thought we might have mentioned it in passing. We actually skipped completely over it. Oh, did we? Yeah, we did not... Um, we didn't talk about it at all. In fact, it was like afterwards... We uh, we got I think Joe Aberino posted something about it, and I think Joel and I, I mean, didn't even know it existed. So uh, no, I mean it's it was very brief, but I have the need to go dig him up now. Yes,
3: uh, when it comes to Skeeter, I dug up a uh, redesign for the character's Muppet, the actual puppet in '09. I, I don't think that she was actually made as a Muppet. But uh, the redesign is kind of cool. The notes on it, uh, like really long, almost to the shoulder, fingerless gloves, kind of a Hot Topic sort of look with star earrings and Chuck Taylors. Uh, They continue the kind of tomboy thing she had going in Muppet Babies. So I I thought it was a really cool redesign. And they made her glasses do that kind of cat eye sort of retro granny hipster thing. Yeah. Huh. It's a really cool redesign for the character as a young adult, since, as Pete pointed out, she's mostly only shown throughout the books, and of course Muppet Babies, as either an infant or a child.
2: Yeah, I don't recall ever actually seeing her in any physical form except for animation, but no, pretty cool. Yeah, that's a character redesign, as far as
3: I can tell, it was only ever used in the Muppet Show comic book, which is like Muppet Show Comics Family Reunion.
0: Yeah, so. I just looked it up here. I see what you're talking about.
3: Yeah, cool Cool design of the character, huh? All right, so uh, we ready to move on to some stand-up? Yes. Oh, no, we're not. We're we need
4: not. to
2: do this weekend. Oh, tweet. <laughs> it's totally about that time. It is about that time. Nice.
3: This Week
4: in Music, Movies, and TV,
0: and Sports.
2: Alright, so This Week in, the uh, date was chosen as December 18th, 1987, was when Eddie Murphy's Raw was released. So... That I think is actually a very significant uh, date because I think that's when most of us started really discovering stand-up. It's probably yeah. true, given our age. Yeah. So, uh, music. The number one song is "Faith" by George Michael, and he has a three-week run, to which I'm sure Patrick was delighted. Very uh, I, I love this entire album. Like, yeah. Yeah. listen to it over and over and over again. No, it's good stuff. I mean, that's uh, you know, I forget, you know, and he,
4: George Michael's got a sweet ass.
2: Well,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> I, uh, I agree. Nice. All right. So, uh, <laughs> December 22nd, 1987, uh, Motley Cruz, Nikki Six, overdoses from heroin and almost dies and then gets inspired to write the song Kickstart My Heart. Yep. Which is a great freaking story. Uh, we yeah. Ac- we actually talked about it during the heavy metal show.
4: Yep.
3: Yeah. Now, did we do that with hair metal or the heavy metal show? I can't recall since we did both.
2: Uh, I don't know. I think the uh, if you want to hear it, you should go listen to both of them. Yes, go listen to
3: both the hair band <laughs> show and the heavy metal show. Yes, we'll
2: wait. It's in one of those. <laughs> yeah. We'll it's be only about seven hours. Yeah, go there. We'll be right. We'll be here. Those are some long shows,
3: but I I like them.
2: Yeah, good stuff. I definitely like the music shows. Uh, John Spence, founding no doubt member, committed suicide on December twenty first. Jesus, depressing well, tweet. Why is that we, funny? I don't, I'm just like, first we have almost death, and then we have self-inflicted death. An actual death, right? Yeah, due to pressures of the band. There's death in every tweet, we know this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, due to the pressures of the band's upcoming success, he was replaced as lead singer by fellow founding member Gwen Stefani. Cool. I mean, not cool. <laughs> now, <laughs> now who's the dick? <laughs> <laughs> I No, it's
3: it's weird because the band goes through all of these changes uh, based on their success. And like, it was weird that they like got big right after the replacement and probably in a lot of ways, because Gwen Stefani was uh, replaced as a lead singer. This is why I should not well, look at pictures posted to the chat right before I react to a death. Just saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> and the-
0: that's an interesting thing though about Gin Blossoms because it kind of happened in reverse cuz they got successful right as their main songwriter and guitarist did the same thing and they really didn't recover too much after that.
4: Hmm.
2: All right. So. So just uh, say. <clears throat> Ayaka Ida Ayaka Lida Ayaka Lida is born on December 18th, 1987, known Mononymously as Ayaka. She is a Japanese female singer married to actor Hiro Mizumisha. And uh, shortly after both of them uh, died in a plane explosion. <laughs> true. That is Wait, not where it that go? is not true. <laughs> you, you actually pronounced that right. I just wanted to hear you say it again.
3: She was known how? Ayaka? No no no. She was known.
0: Mono- second
2: oh mononymously. Da 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 da. <laughs> Mon- mononymously. <laughs> It's a terrible lead-up. Um, so, <laughs> movies. Uh, Throw Mama from the Train is a top movie, and it is knocked off next week by EMR. Josh, what do we got? That's extreme medical
3: racism. It's what <laughs> happens <laughs> when a bunch of doctors don't like treating people who look different from them. Was George yes. Clooney in that? <laughs> no, I was. Uh, actually, Mel Gibson. <laughs> oh, God. Showing his true I'm... colors for the first time in 1987.
4: <laughs> Catered by he Paul. doesn't
3: have any colors. It
4: was uh, Doctor No Jews in that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Holy <wrong> shit! <laughs> like Doctor Sugar Tits.
2: <laughs> so, uh, batteries not included, um, and Eddie Murphy's Raw are both released on December eighteenth, and that is the only thing these two things have in common. Oh, we but never said have- what we never said what EMR was. Oh yeah, what was? Oh, EMR? Eddie Murphy's Raw. There you go. Oh. There you go. Ah, and I like how you put batteries not included with the asterisks, too. Thank you.
3: Very nice. That's not like the only thing they have in common. Didn't they both have Hume Cronin? Both- yes, they did, actually. Yes, Eddie Murphy's raw with Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy.
4: <laughs> Who is this guy?
2: Why is he wearing so much pleather?
3: <laughs> I actually really liked batteries not included, and I'm not scared to admit it. No, it was a fun movie.
2: I've never seen it no it is it's pretty good I mean it's not it's I think it's a Spielberg Spielberg movie
3: is it, it a Spielberg joint
2: yeah, it's not not his best, but it is definitely you know it's a good fun. no it was directed by Matthew Robbins oh really yeah Spielberg I'm sure he had something to do with it. He may have executive
3: produced it. I've got the poster right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, it looks like executive
2: producers are Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, nice. With so, Frank Marshall. Oh, so uh, now back to TV. We are back in the zone. The uh, Cosby Family ties, Cheers, Reign again as the top three movies of the time. TV shows. What did I just say? Movies. movies. I did. Yes. Movies. <laughs> All right, then TV shows. <laughs> Hallie Hirsch, American actress, is born on December 16th. She is most known for playing Dr. Mark Green's daughter on ER. Dirty Secret, I have never watched Oh, ER. is that how you pronounce it? Oh, I always call it ER. Uh, I watched the entire run. Thank you, Joel, again for showing you showing my B-R. point that you're not funny. <laughs> ER. ER. Okay. ER. Sport. <laughs> No, not, I think you're just having a stroke now. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. I was gonna say. I think the jug band running joke was like two episodes ago. So,
0: sport. I smell toast.
2: In all, in a December 19th game against the Boston Bruins, Doug Gilmore scored a goal for the St. Louis Blues two seconds after Ken Linsman scored for Boston. The pair combined to set a record for the fastest two goals in NHL history.
3: Two seconds. Now. Oh. I wonder how that
2: came down. Was that like off of a face-off? Or? It must have been. Yeah. <clears throat> Crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Because nothing, outside of the skating, the scoring does not move that fast. Nothing moves that mm-hmm. fast in hockey, and score-wise. All the scoring happens off the ice. Tagline. <laughs> <laughs> From Slapshot 4. Uh, so Alan Border scores. uh, What the hell does this mean? Two oh five. I
4: just straight up cut and paste this one just okay. for our international fans.
2: All right, Alan Border scores two oh five versus New Zealand to become Australia's top run getter. I don't know what that is.
4: Wait, none <laughs> no, of us do.
2: What? Can, what sport is that?
4: Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna like I'm that. gonna research. I'm thinking cricket.
2: Like. Tub thumping, is that what that's like? It's just autocorrected to run getter.
3: Oh you know, that could be. Like if it was cricket, I think they score runs in cricket. Do
2: they?
4: I don't 205 know two
3: hundred and five seems way too much though. See, but this is the last time we uh, thought this was a good down. thing,
2: and then we discovered that two hundred five, the big number was bad. Oh so, yeah, maybe remember? a run getter is something bad. Yeah, so fuck you, run getter. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Or, or
4: yay, good job, yeah. one or the other.
2: I don't we are not sure. Uh well he definitely was a cricketer. He was We'll a bat- give him
4: a tip of the hat and a wave of the finger. He
2: was nice a nice job. Batsman. You're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks like that's across his career. Oh. Oh, I guess he hit his two hundred and fifth at the New Zealand versus New Zealand at that one game. Okay. Because that's no, no. a number
0: you want to immortalize.
2: Yes. He oh, uh he oh, was two oh five. Here's about. a he was primarily a left-hand batsman but also achieved sporadic success as a part-time left-arm orthodox spinner. I don't know what I just said.
4: <laughs> yeah. All of, yeah. All of those so words you are nowhere annoying. near knowing what this means.
2: Yeah, but, I know all those words and, but never in that order. <laughs> and he could play a hell of an accordion. You know when <laughs> when Nikki gets here she's going to slap all of us in the head. She's
4: gonna, so All watch, right. Watch cricket. So, I hope whatever
3: the uh, national instrument of New Zealand is, it's smaller than a didgeridoo, because those things hurt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Can you bring a didgeridoo on a plane?
3: I don't know. Yes. It's like, oh, good, New Zealand, they play the piccolo. That won't hurt at all. Yeah, it depends on where she puts it. The instrument
4: of New Zealand is the Jews' harp.
3: The Verusula.
4: And your mouth is like, boing, boing, boing.
3: You know, Mel Gibson does not approve of that.
4: <laughs> or, or he might. We don't know. Oh, he never liked harps. <laughs>
2: Yes, that's the problem art. <laughs> so let's take a moment and let's talk about stand up comedy. <laughs> so stand up comedians. How about those what about those comedians? <laughs> What's, What's the
4: deal, deal with all with the comedians?
2: comedians? Uh, Pat and nice I thought
4: alike.
2: <laughs> so um I think stand up honestly has been around forever. There's been always been somebody back in Roman times standing up in front of people trying to make them laugh.
3: They called them Christians. They played the Colosseum. And if they weren't funny, they got attacked with lions.
2: Yes. So instead of throwing fruit, they threw lions? Yes, <laughs> yes they did. <laughs> there was a <laughs> vendor.
4: A <laughs> <laughs> guy carrying lions around on him. Get your lion! <laughs> Fresh
0: lions, get your lions!
2: So, um, Comes
4: for
0: the kids.
2: But <laughs> 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 And who's God, not
0: funny? God Josh. damn
2: it. Joel <laughs> made a funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was in the toilet earlier. I flushed him.
2: Oh, see, there oh, you lad, go. Now back. we're back ah, again. Back. <laughs> <laughs> That's... So, I mean, I I grew up listening to old records. It was my first introduction to stand-up comedians. And that was stuff like Smothers Brothers and Evan Costello that I got Cheech from my mom. and
4: Chong. Yeah, oh. my dad's Cheech and Chong. Yeah, All my dad's albums. Are yeah. They yeah. His, you guys never heard of him? <laughs> Who? Jose Jimenez.
2: No, sir. No. Don Rickles.
4: Oh, yeah. yeah
2: Don Rickles. Oh. Shut up, you dummy. So. Red Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> Red Fox. Uh, Buddy Hackett. Yeah. I, I, Buddy Hackett is one of those for as harmless as he seems in the movies. He is friggin' filthy on stage.
4: Yeah, he and Red Fox used to always try to kind of compete with each other to see who could be... More blue. Yeah. Red Fox. Yeah.
3: For people that don't know the difference, blue basically is when you're not working clean. You're telling dirty jokes, you're swearing. Uh, probably in our early list of acts we're going to cover, one of the most famous for working almost entirely blue is going to be Richard Pryor. And one of the people notorious for
0: downgrading the blue comedians for feeling that they have to use swear words to be funny
3: is Bill Cosby. This is true.
4: Yes. And Eddie Murphy acts Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was big on, you know, putting down people that worked blue. Who? Red Skel- Skelton. Skelton.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, personal favorite comics or acts from the 80s and 1980s and 90s for us. Let's just say, uh, let's say, what I mean, I'm, that's my introduction to stand-up comedians. It's Mother's Brothers, Evan Costello on, on LP. Um, what about you guys?
3: Hmm. While I listened to a lot of Smothers Brothers records, probably the first stand-up comedian I can remember listening to, who made me laugh uncontrollably to the point where I was like, would have the tears coming down, and then my chest actually hurt from laughing, was actually Billy Connolly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know now he's known for just like playing random Scottish guy in action movies and stuff, but his early stand-up was just a riot. From boon- wait, from Boondock Saints. Yeah? yeah, really.
2: And yeah, he to got a start. Yeah, I did not yeah, know he's
4: that. A, he's a very funny stand up, Yeah,
2: huh. and he was in the Garfield movie Tale of Two Kitties. Yeah, it's true. And but see, that wasn't funny. That's that's why I'm surprised. Great
4: story. Great storyteller. He really is cool. What about you, Joel?
2: Of
0: on vinyl, I have to say that the the first that Steve Martin LP where he's got the the Don- the, the Donkey Tut. Yeah. With. That that album was probably the the most that I had in rotation, like on vinyl. But first comedian that that I watched religiously and made me laugh consistently was Bill Cosby, for sure. Yeah. I agree with that. His Followed ten- by Eddie Murphy once my uh, older cousins introduced
2: me.
4: <laughs> yeah, Patrick. Uh, like like you, I I listened to my dad's records a lot, and the ones that I gravitated to the most were, were uh, Bill Cosby and Steve Martin.
2: Yeah, my. My mom also had the Bill Cosby himself, which had the whole uh, – Ru- no, Russell, my brother, with whom I slept with.
4: Yeah, to, oh, yeah, yeah to Russell, my brother, whom I – yeah, I love that
2: one. That, uh, that, I think, may be the first sketch that I ever listened to that made me stop breathing. <laughs> <laughs> because just the whole scene of the dad coming in and busting down the yeah. door and him screaming and – and the, enti-
4: the, the, the entire second side of that album is nothing but that story about him and his brother. I mean, that's impressive.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, And that's like, what, a good 30, 40 minutes of him just yeah, talking it, about it?
4: One, it's one track on the second side. It's just all him talking about that, you know, having a room and a bed with his brother.
2: Yeah. Now, he had some of the other stuff, like Chicken Heart. Uh, that's one where buck, he... Yeah. Buck, yeah. Buck, buck.
0: And see, that's impressive though, because and Pat, you being a stand-up comedian, occasionally, I mean, you understand, and I think all of us have probably had experience with it. I mean, crafting a joke is one thing, but to spend an entire side of an album, which is what like half an hour worth of material, yeah, yeah, I mean that that's that's impressive. Just and and, and
4: to sense. not only not only tell a great story, but to tell a a, a, a hysterical story. I mean, it yeah, it's just really well done.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's um what's one of the things to be able to some in going over the uh the types of comedians. We have like one who is you have one on one side you have the straight joke telling comedians. Right. You've got the you know almost like the uh, like the Stephen Wright just the one liners over and over and over again that sort of thing, and then you have the storytellers which are like the Bill Cosby or um, Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Izzard tells one long story.
4: <laughs> That's Sam K- Sam Kinnison.
2: Sam Kinnison storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you've got these styles of telling instead of it being just like short vignette type stuff, they can take one story and just stretch it out, and
4: you keep you laughing for the entire thing.
0: And interweave the jokes in between, you know, then it all ties yeah. together. Mike,
4: Mike, you know, uh, uh, Mike Birbiglia, a comic from now, is amazing at doing that. Just telling a story and making, weaving it in and out of time and making it funny. You know? He's, yeah,
3: I'd almost say there's a third category, though, of the rapid non sequitur, which I would put Stephen Wright in. But the uh, master of that style would be uh, Mitch Edward. Uh,
2: oh, yeah. Okay, I just looked it up the b-side of the the Russell my brother 26 minutes long yeah huh. see
0: I mean just thinking about trying to craft a joke in and of itself but telling a story I mean that's yeah that's talent yeah
4: yeah because that's what I I mean that's kind of what I'm shooting for in, in my stand-up is like to be a, a storyteller you know and just tell actual stories about my life but just kind of you know interject jokes and things in there so I mean mm-hmm. it's it's impressive to me to be able to do that for 26 minutes I I did it for ten, and it was it was pretty tough.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Pat Pat works blue.
4: I definitely work blue. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: yeah, he does. Pat's black and blue. So, <laughs> has anybody seen anybody live in yes. these
4: years? I have yes. seen a bunch of comedians live myself.
2: I was going to say, as a, we're all
3: four of us uh, in, like I think honestly, well, it was ninety four, ninety five at the Emo Phillips show.
4: I know I was there. I was.
3: I, I was not. Oh, okay, so it was, uh, that's right, because I, I remember we ended up doing, like, a fondue dinner before, and then... Yes,
0: <laughs> we had fondue before, and then Emo Phillips after. What a weird night.
4: It was, it was a <laughs> cool night, though. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. So, so Honestly,
0: he's the only stand-up comedian I've seen uh, live. Otherwise, I've only seen, like, uh, improv stuff.
2: I've hmm. seen Bill Cosby live. <gasps> really? Oh, yeah. Really? wow. Yeah. I um, did not
4: know
2: that. <clears throat> he was back in the 80s. My dad worked for Continental Bank, and uh, every year at Christmas time, we would see uh, they had a Christmas show for the whole the whole like company. Back when companies would like do things for their employees, yeah. and uh, it was really cool. You go and you see the show, then you go down to the basement at the uh, the Shriners, I think the Shriners uh, uh, Theater downtown Chicago.
3: Oh yeah, right down there by Pizzeria do I?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you go there, and then you go downstairs, and there were all these lines, and you'd line up for different age groups, and they would give you a present. They so you, I got like a couple board games every year, or they give you a sled or some. It was awesome. But I got to see um, Bill Cosby, uh, Harry Blackstone Jr., the magician, and nice. um, uh, who who did the song "The Streak"? I just lost the name. Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens yeah. was there also. I got the boogey and boogey.
4: Yeah, she and had me Until until that.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like I was planning it, but you know, it's still. I mean, at that time, I was maybe eight or nine years old. You Mike still was too busy. Voice
4: your displeasure about Ray Stevens
2: uh, being there. Mike
0: was too busy riding his sled down the aisle. Yeah.
2: Yay! <laughs> but no, I mean, I got to see him, and that was that was my first outing to see him, and it was awesome. I mean, laughing and crying, just crying, bawling my eyes out. Oh, no, not one. Ray Stevens!
0: <laughs> 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 not Ray
2: Stevens! So, uh... And
0: now, for my <laughs> third time, the streak!
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember him doing an Elvis impersonation and he was like throwing thought... Everyone thought he was throwing his scarf out to the uh, audience, but then he reached into his backpack and pulled like a roll of toilet paper and stretched out another one, and put another scarf on, and then threw it to people. <laughs> it, was, it was Ray Stevens. I didn't know any better. Um... So, this outside of that has anybody else seen any other got emo Phillips and anybody seen anybody back then who's big now like before they were big yeah that
4: I you know what I have seen so many different like stand like open mic type things and like just go to a comedy club and see different people I don't even I don't even know I may have seen somebody before they were famous I don't even know yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. He never will.
4: Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, if, if I'd, like, kept every program or everything or every list of people, I'd, it'd be interesting to look. But I've, I've seen hundreds of stand-ups, not all of them good.
2: Yeah. Pat saw Don Rickles before he was big.
0: Pat already <laughs> deleted, like, half of the 90s, so. It's,
3: it was actually after he was big. See, Don Rickles starts shrinking with age.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go down the list. Um... So we put together a list of the big acts from the '90s and '80s, and uh, so and who's seen what. So similar to our movie format, but uh, Richard Pryor.
4: I think. Well, let's just assume we've all seen them, unless it says otherwise. We don't need to all try. You know, like, yeah, I, sure, a lot of these What's your take on people who haven't seen them?
2: <laughs> Richard Pryor, the anti-Bill Cosby.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Richard Pryor's like. Counterculture <clears throat> comedy act. It's crazy to me that this the same guy who was well known for setting himself on fire when he was doing Coke and having this incredibly filthy stand-up routine also had a Saturday morning cartoon show called Prior's Place, which I freaking
2: loved. Alright, I gotta look that shit up, man. That's <laughs> oh, I watched it
4: every week. I don't think See, I've ever seen
2: that.
0: I think of him for his movies with Gene Wilder, you know, like Stir <laughs> Crazy or or Seen a here Weevil. Oh my god, of, I remember this. Was kind of my introduction to
3: Richard Pryor.
4: Stir Crazy was such a great movie.
3: I, I like seeing a here in Weevil too. Yeah. And I mean that's what makes him such a huge star. Uh because he was able to hit all sorts from adult entertainment to kids' entertainment, mainstream movies. Uh the man just had so much talent.
2: Pryor's place looks damn great. Richard Pryor, yeah, was- Tony Cox, Danny Nucci, Lily Tomlin, and Henry Winkler. Really huge
3: in like 1984, 1985, the same time that like Muppet Babies, Saturday morning Starcade, Dungeons and Dragons would have been big. Nice.
0: Right. I don't remember it. I just looked it up. I don't remember it either.
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd never seen it or heard of it. Kind of, kind of weird. Yeah. So then, moving on to well, I mean, before we move on, I guess you know, there's not, there's almost no comedian out there that doesn't pay homage to Richard Pryor in some way or form. I mean, because he's just so, he's so revolutionized comedy. You know, and and he's one of the the, the fathers of modern comedy as far as just kind of kind of making it okay to offend people when you're on stage and making it okay to use words and phrases that might make people uncomfortable, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he didn't really care about making people feel uncomfortable. He just was going up there to do a shtick.
4: Yeah. And that was one of the things about him, is that, is that his delivery was so good, he made it feel like he was just kind of sitting around just talking to you, you know? I mean, it was, it was a, he had a very personal type of delivery. Hmm.
3: But right. uh, definitely, the man had a drug problem. That's a <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, a bit,
4: <laughs> and he was very open about it too. When he came back, that uh, when he, when he came back to do the show after he had uh, burned himself freebasing and talk. I mean, like the first twenty minutes of the show was him talking all about that. You know, that whole incident and everything. Just very open about it.
3: Uh, I just love the fact that he borrow, when he went to light a cigarette on stage, he borrowed matches from an audience member. Is like, I heard you guys telling the jokes about me. He lights the match and goes, what's this? Richard Pryor running down the street. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, Pam Greer, in an interview, apparently her doctor came to her and asked uh, if whoever she was with was uh, using cocaine on their genitals. Uh, because she had a buildup of cocaine residue uh, down there. and he had done so much coke that it was in his s- basically in his semen. What? Yeah
4: <laughs> He got the fastest sperm in the land. <laughs> and yeah. I'm out. Gotta go, gotta
3: Thank
2: go. you everybody for the
3: show. I'm out. <laughs> And it's funny because he had that line in his act is talk about even my dick has a cocaine Jones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Wow.
4: Moving on from prior to the like we said, the anti anti
2: prior uh, Bill Cosby.
4: Yeah. One of the cleanest acts you'll ever see on stage. Not so much behind stage, but you know on stage, definitely very clean. Although Jokes about the Bible
3: and such.
0: I I, wa- I rewatched uh, some of himself because all these acts that I have my initials next to, I, I spent time with this week, ten or fifteen minutes out of each set, and he's ta- he does this bit about you know drugs on on himself where he's talking about you know people being on drugs and why would you want to do this and he's like he was talking about I think it was LSD and he's like it enhances your personality he's like well what about if you're an asshole and I kind of mm. stopped and I went I don't remember him swearing and I, I'm like I guess it's kind of a swear but at the same that- time.
2: I
4: think that, that was well, the only time
2: I've ever heard yeah, him cuss. Yeah, that,
4: that was his big, his big shock joke because, you know, there, there was actually a little bit of a – people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. But that's, that's like yeah. the, the raciest he ever got.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it kind of took me back though because I, I didn't remember it when I was a kid,
4: you know?
2: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because the whole thing is like, oh, the drug amplifies your personality. What if you're an asshole? You know, that's – yeah, I do remember seeing that. And that – his – I also remember from that same – was that himself –
0: yeah, that was from himself.
2: Yeah, the, that's where one of the few times where I actually heard him make himself laugh. Like, because he's yeah. that's when he's yeah, talking he about yeah. makes and cracks himself up with the comic the crack about the uh, when he's having his kid and he tells the doctor to go get the salad spoons. <laughs> and, so, and
0: well, you know what's interesting about that that whole set, and I and I, I noticed it when I was younger, and I noticed it again here, is that the entire show. You know, he's either sitting in that chair or he he walks a little bit. But the back's background, which is just an opaque background, changes colors depending on what bit he's doing. So it's like blue or red or green, and it's solid. Hmm. And it's an interesting interesting uh, thing to think about. You know how much of that influence what he's telling? Because you know blue or colors are can influence your emotions. So I thought that was an interesting thing that I haven't noticed in other comedy acts before. Some of them have stuff behind them like scenery and whatnot. But anyway, something to check That's out cool. the next time there.
2: Hmm. all right favorite oh just because he's so your favorite uh bill cosby sketch josh
3: no oh, favorite sketch uh i was always a big fan of the whole noah
2: <laughs> right what's <laughs> yeah. an arc yeah, yeah.
0: what's a, what's a cubing <laughs> yeah <laughs> noah what
2: am i on candy the camera Yeah. noah's great <laughs> yeah or cause... the uh oh sorry good
3: no, I was just going to say that uh, most of my lo- uh, recent experience with stand-up com- uh, comedy has been on the radio. And it's interesting that they've got kind of a then and now thing going. I, I tend to bounce between Laugh USA, which doesn't always have older comedians, but that's where in the last couple of weeks I've actually heard some Bill Cosby uh, and then Comedy Central, which tends to be newer. So I, I remember uh, just a week ago hearing the What's a Qubit" bit again on Laugh USA.
0: I'd, I'd have to say that daddy is great. Give us chocolate cake. Oh, <laughs> chocolate,
2: <laughs> chocolate cake is a riot. These kids were <laughs> singing my praises. Lied. They,
4: tur- <laughs> they turned on me.
2: <laughs> that's, and that's, and that's I think, uh, is the thing about his comedy is it's so, ev- I don't want to say it's so everyday as in it's like, you know, depreciating it, but it's so everyday that every single person can go, yep, it's understandable by everybody right sure so I personally think chicken heart is one of my favorite where he sneaks downstairs to listen to the scary uh, radio shows yep. and then freaks out and rubs jello all over the kitchen floor to keep the chicken heart from attacking him <laughs> <laughs> so so uh Eddie Murphy if anybody could be the biggest act from the 80s outside uh, late let's say late 80s
3: yeah, mid to late 80s, he was the biggest star in general on the planet. And it's cool yeah. that we're talking about him here because he actually had his, two of his big influences, Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor, and did impressions of both of them.
2: Yeah. Amazingly good impressions of both of yeah. them. He did a good Michael Jackson, too. Yeah. <laughs> he did good Norton.
0: But, I mean, think about it. The, the comedy film was... Uh, something that you kind of saw with Richard Pryor and then Bill Cosby took it on, but Eddie Murphy really made it into uh, made comedy into rock and roll where it it was, it was a different experience when you went to go see Eddie Murphy and delirious and, and then raw are both just, I mean, phenomenal, like huge blockbuster movies in their own right.
4: And it it was the, it was the first time really that, that a movie, or that a stand-up comedy show was promoted and everything like an actual movie and like put in the movie theaters and people went to the movie theater. I mean, because before that is like, you just kind of, you know, you, you saw them on TV or you didn't, you know, and Yeah. this, this was the first time in my, as far as I know that there was a real serious, like promotional push made to like fill theaters to go see this. And the word, of, and it was just such an amazing show that the word of mouth spread and, Ended up doing almost 60 million in sales, I think.
3: Yeah, I I don't think without Raw, which I know I had a a copy of on VHS that I watched till the tape nearly broke, without that show, I don't know that you'd have Comedy Central like comedian specials. That's what they do for cable. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Raw or delirious? Because. Delirious was the, the original. Raw was the follow-up.
3: Yeah, yeah. R- R- Delirious was the original, but Raw was the biggest thing on the planet when it yeah, came
4: Yeah, Raw out. was the one that showed that this could be a viable money-making thing.
3: And I've seen both of them uh, dozens of times. I just watched Delirious again this morning, but Raw was my... That was the thing that I had on VHS and constantly watched. Yeah. See, if Delirious
0: school. was mine, that whole... Hey, Norton! You look, <laughs> hey, Norton! You know, that whole <laughs> bit. Or Mr. T. You look about a cute in them jeans. You know, that whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it wouldn't. It would be tough to make that fly these days with the some of the jokes he did. But yeah, I'm yeah.
3: sure. And I'm sure when we get to the second half and talk about how comedy has changed, uh, I want to revisit that topic in particular.
0: Well, right? he, he still made me laugh when I watched Delirious again. I, I, I still laughed out loud, just like I did when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12. So anyway,
2: moving right. on. Moving on, George
4: Carlin. The George dippy Carlin weatherman. was just a master, master at wordplay and wordsmithing, and just—I mean, just a, a brilliant mind as far as like how he could just take the English language apart.
0: But he also was incredibly topical, and yeah. put things in there that made you go, "Wow, what the hell is wrong with us?" But at the same time, you could laugh about it, even though it was incredibly like hard-hitting stuff that need to be, needed to be said.
3: Yeah, of early comedians, he's the first one that I can remember getting – I, I, I want to say political. Yeah, I think political is not too strong. Yeah, no.
4: Yeah, my, my parents actually saw him in, in person. Him, him and Steve Martin, the next comedian we're talking about, they got to see both of them at the height of their popularity.
0: Well, things got really quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah. when we did uh, when he passed away, The Awful Show did a uh, uh that was my original podcast. We did a, a special on George Carlin, and we all kind of agreed that without his influence, I mean, our podcast would never have existed. And I think when I went back and watched his stuff, I, it is amazing how influential he is on a lot of comedians and on just everyday kind of society i mean he just he was one of those guys that was a voice that needed to be heard and
4: he i mean mo- the, most com- the, the two that are mentioned most by comedians nowadays as their biggest influences are Pryor and carlin
0: hmm. i could see that and his career spanned decades just i mean
2: oh he, he never and just like i mean just like um uh, richard Pryor had a kids program He was the uh, engineer on Thomas the Tank Engine. Remember that? He was, yeah.
3: Yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine's like uh, human stars. It's weird. you got George Carlin and Ringo Starr. And don't forget,
2: um, uh, what's his name? He's on 40 Rock.
3: Well, when
0: you get to the movie, yeah. The the Thomas the Tank Engine movie had Alec Baldwin.
4: Wow.
2: Yeah. That's weird, too. Yeah. So... uh, Steve Martin. <sighs> okay, see, here's the thing. Watching Steve Martin now to watching Steve Martin then. Oh, I know Steve Martin. He's that, that guy that's in uh, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Or he's that or guy in the, who's in that family-friendly uh, you know, movie You know, with all the kids in it. He's that one that you can go see Parenthood. You know that sort of thing.
3: You could say the same thing about Eddie Murphy, though. I mean, yeah. these guys were so big in their prime that they don't have much of anything left to prove, and like paychecks, a paycheck.
2: Oh yeah, no. But what I'm talking about is the fact that you take Steve Martin now; he's doing this like cheaper by the do- by the dozen, this family friendly movie, and then you go back to the jerk. Yeah. yeah, you go back to you know. I mean, that's. I mean, his how how his comedy has changed from yeah, he's then to definitely- now.
4: Abandoned the wild and crazy guy, meant to, you know that whole persona and everything. But he is still, in my opinion, one of the funniest men on the planet.
2: Oh yeah, that's the thing. Easily,
4: he's... W- easily one of the most talented men on the planet, as far as just I mean, his body of work is is actually very amazing. He he writes books, he writes plays, he writes comedy, he writes he's movies, freaking he produces, he's freaking amazing on the banjo. He's won a Grammy as a banjo player. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I mean, he's done <clears throat> just about everything and. I mean, I, I worship Steve Martin. He's one of my favorites. But, I mean, his autobiography was very, very interesting and found out that um, by reading that, that he, as, as much as he, when his when he was doing his wild and crazy guy routine on stage at his, the height of his popularity, he, as much as he made it look like he was just being frantic and crazy, I mean, every word, every movement, every step was was written down and planned out. And he was just, yeah, he was just that good that he made it all look like, you know, like he was just, you know, didn't know what he was even going to do next, you know.
3: He just, I when I think of Steve Martin's stand-up, I always think of the guy with the fake arrow through his head, right. which yep. is funny because he's the guy who can make that corny gag work. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: He, like is. he had a He had a routine that he did about that stupid arrow through the head where he... <clears throat> Talking about um his cat, he's like, he's like, I found out that my cat has been p- cashing my paychecks, going to the bank disguised as me with a little tiny kitty arrow through the head.
2: <laughs> so, Ellen DeGeneres. Next, talk
3: up. about someone whose career has changed.
4: Her okay. stand up is Mark- hu-
3: is hilarious.
4: Yeah.
2: I've unfortunately she, she never was a seen great, it.
4: She was a great, great observational comedian. Just the, the way she could deconstruct everyday life and things, you know, and, and just... I mean, sh- this is a woman that made 10 minutes on the By Menon slogan just so funny. I mean, how could you make that that funny? But she did. I mean, she made it, like, outrageously funny, that stupid, you know, By Menon. yeah. She did like a whole 10 minute routine just on that, that slogan. And it's just, I can't, I, it's, it's hysterical. When she
3: talks about her perspective as like a single woman who is not of the family sort, she's got that very particular uh, angle to a lot of her routines. I think that uh, she kind of hit a sweet spot then with a lot of women who were going into the workplace as society was changing. And she was speaking to them. About not necessarily wanting, she talks about like I want kids. I don't want to have kids, but you know I want to like have kids. Like if I could just like get one without having to have it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, she kind of picked up the mantle from Roseanne Barr for the. Oh yeah.
0: Yep. I don't see her mentioned here, but she just was.
3: Yeah, well, I, I don't learned. mean
0: she's not on the list.
3: She's not on a list uh, mainly because, although she did stand up, she very, very quickly became a TV personality,
2: and then later a crazy person. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. she's definitely more known as a TV personality than a stand-up comedian,
2: and she. even more so known as a crazy person. It's true,
4: or, or just kind of a bitch, really, is what the the story is on her.
0: She's the she's the woman that brought Tom Arnold to the world.
4: Uh, well, he was great in True Lies. I'll give him that. That's fair. Yeah. I don't
0: hate Tom Arnold, but he's too—he's too, he's too uh, twitchy for needy. me. He's too needy. He's very, very twitchy. So Dennis Leary. Okay, I gotta—I gotta take a quick, quick moment here with Dennis Leary. When I was, let's see, this would have been uh, early. Whenever, whenever "No Cure for Cancer" came out, I got that on CD, and I listened to that like every day. I I listened to that album to where I could just sit there and, and like a good record where you've heard it so many times you listen to that, you sing along with the lyrics. I can quote it because I just listened to it so much. And it was for the longest time, my favorite absolute favorite stand-up comedian album that ever existed. And I still like Dennis theory. And again, talk about a guy whose career's changed. Um, He, uh, I, I watched some of it, the actual live performance, which I don't think I've ever seen. And uh, it, it still gets me, but not quite in the same way. But, uh, yeah, he, he's one of my favorites from that period anyway, from that mid-90s kind of period.
4: I'm going to preface my statement with I I like Dennis Leary. <laughs> but oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> his persona and act is nothing more than a blatant ripoff of Bill Hicks. And if Bill Hicks had he died, Dennis Leary would probably not have a career.
0: I I wouldn't disagree.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, he picked up the mantle and took, you know, ran with it, so. Yep. Although I think
4: Bill Hicks I don't I like him, so
3: Bill Hicks had a more direct uh, anti-corporate stance where I think the aggression towards society in general was a little bit more generalized for Leary's stuff.
4: Yeah, because Leary kind of took Bill Hicks's persona and almost smoothed it a little bit just to make it more palatable to people. That's
3: an entirely fair statement, yeah. Well, throw in a little
0: kinesin and a little dice clay maybe for mm-hmm. good measure.
4: yeah. Yeah, uh, if we have to.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, like taking the better parts of that. Yeah. And uh, there, there's it. a
3: sprinkle of George Carlin and his work as well.
0: Yeah, but he, he's just a he's a charismatic guy, and as he's gotten older, he's he's just taken that advantage of that and turned it into an acting career. And I, I like watching him work. I mean, I just think he's an enjoyable actor. You know,
2: I agree with that. What about uh, stepping on to Mitch Hedberg?
3: Oh, Don't Mitch. step on Mitch Hedberg.
2: Well, you can't, but not step on Mitch
4: Hedberg now. Um, now, but.
3: Talk about someone gone too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. He will <laughs>
4: always be one of my all time favorites.
3: You know, if someone knows how to deliver a Mitch Hedberg joke, that they're telling a Mitch Hedberg joke. Yep. Yep. Just that particular style of just a
2: little off kilter, non sequitur, bizarre humor. Yeah, I think, and he's also one of those when you say, you know, what's the biggest secret of comedy? Timing. His timing on that awkwardness is not to be matched.
0: Yeah. You know what's what's interesting? I watched uh a nineteen, I want to say it was ninety five special um where Janine Jean, Garofalo introduced him, and he came out on stage and he didn't have the the glasses on. He didn't have any facial hair. He had still had the long hair but it was really kind of early on in his career. And you could see he was still kind of honing the craft because during the, during parts of it, he was really straightforward. Like I'm talking now and just real kind of, you know, Hey, I'm Mitch Hedberg. How you doing sort of thing. And then like occasionally he'd break into little bits where he'd kind of was testing the water with that style of that style of Mitch Hedberg delivery, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And you could kind of get glimpses of it. And then you move on down the career. And like um, I, I was listening to one of his CD. Uh, in the car, and people must have been looking at me like I was a damn idiot because I was—I literally was crying. I was laughing so hard at the jokes, and they were like these one or two little minute tracks, but they're just perfectly encapsulated jokes.
2: Yeah, I introduced Katie to Mitch Hedberg not too long ago, and you can tell when she's when she's listening to it. She has got her headphones on, sitting in the living room, face completely red and uh, not breathing. Because she, I mean, that she loves that kind of, like, really, that quick, vin, uh, the quick statement. Uh, you know, the whole, especially the whole, um, I was watching TV and they told me to forget everything I knew about slipcovers. You know, that, that whole thing, just, I mean, she loves it. Now, um. <laughs> granted, I had to give her some rules about, you know, if she wants to make those cracks, there's specific people she can tell certain ones to. And you gotta have to, she's learning that whole know your audience thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I hope-
0: wanted to buy a candle holder, but the store didn't have one, so I got a cake. You know, it's just—I don't know—I can't even do it. But it's just that kind of choppy thing that he does. It's just, uh, yeah, it's.
2: Are his uh, <laughs> stairs can or uh, escalators escal- can never be broken? They can only become stairs. The scientists I'm sorry. say, "I'm sorry." His escalator's broken. Sorry for the convenience. <laughs>
0: you right. I was just watching that last night and oh my gosh. I mean, he, he was kind of the alternative rock comedian.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you want to see him doing some really good stuff, uh watch him find the episodes of uh, that seventies show where he's on. Yeah. Those... I didn't realize he was on oh, that 70s yeah. show.
4: That's yeah, awesome. He had a, a recurring character.
2: Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> so uh <laughs> oh boy, yes. Eddie, Eddie, is, <laughs> Eddie Izzard, uh, hands down, probably in my top three comedians.
3: His career is also all over the place. From having started out uh, doing stand-up primarily in drag, uh, to later becoming a uh, TV personality doing the series The Riches, yeah. and everything in between. Just this, he,
4: uh, yeah, he was in, um, he was in Ocean's Eleven,
2: yeah? yeah, Ocean's Eleven. He was in Mystery Men.
0: And, most recently, he did a turn on Hannibal in the first season as a serial killer.
2: Really? Yes. Now I have very dark. to watch that.
3: Uh, um, the guy's ridiculously sharp, and he has a very kind of different take from
2: a lot of other British comics. He, okay, first, uh, he's trilingual, at the very least, uh, English, German, and, and uh, French. And one of the things that I've noticed with him is you have to really know your history. When you watch Eddie Izzard, he loves going to like these history, like the whole thing about uh, Napoleon invading Russia. You know, he has this whole sketch about Napoleon. He has this whole sketch about uh, Hitler. You have to there has to be a certain level of knowledge of history before you can start to get his jokes.
4: It's kind of like Dennis Miller. You need to pay attention and you need to know shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: But then
0: he'll turn on a dime and he'll start talking about squirrels forgetting to leave the oven on
4: yeah Yeah.
2: or start (laughs) doing a french lesson about the you know the squirrel you know that's
4: the star wars cantina is still probably my favorite eddie Izzard bit
0: i i didn't hear about eddie Izzard until uh matt matt introduced me to him matt brown and as soon as i saw the first he showed me i i want to say it was um uh crap what was the name of that stand-up uh not unrepeatable but anyway it was it was one of it while he was still in drag and I was like, he's like, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. He says, just sit down and watch this. And I watched it, and I was just enthralled, and I was laughing so hard. And I, I count Eddie Izzard as one of my favorites, if not my favorite comedian working, like, of the modern era. Yeah. Anyway.
2: And what cake. I like ab- about cake death. death. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of cake. Didn't expect everybody to be wanting it. <laughs> um, one of the things I like about him is that his comedy is, like, just flow of thought. You know, it's just, I mean, he. there's several times where he'll be telling a joke or he'll be going on a riff or whatever, and suddenly he stops and he'll, like, come out of it and look around and be like, how did I get here? I have no like, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's so good
3: at his style that I would say I even find the modern lesser copy of him. If we're gonna uh, call out uh, Dennis Leary for copying Bill Hicks, I would call out Russell Brand for copying Eddie Izzard. And yeah. I still like Russell Brand's stuff. The the shtick is so good that you can even take a lesser copy of it and it's still pretty good.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Now, Patrick, ready? Rodney Dangerfield.
4: Ah, love Rodney. He's an inspiration because he didn't get started in comedy until he was in his 50s. So, there's still hope.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's still got time, man.
4: (laughs) Oh, he was just so, so funny. Just, I mean, his delivery and his lines, I mean, like hit the whole no respect thing. I mean, just like, you know, I mean, he's a guy that, that came up with a line. I called the suicide prevention hotline. They put me on hold. <laughs> 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 or, like, But, you know, my dad used to play a game with me when I was a kid. He's like, hide and go fuck yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. His whole bit was, you know, self-deprecation and jokes about his wife, I believe. Wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yep. yep. And
4: it, and when it was went-
0: consistently funny.
4: Yeah, when he finally broke into the movies, uh, he was very well received. Uh, Caddyshack was the first movie that he appeared in. And if I remember, and, uh, have I told you guys the, fun, the the story about him on his first yeah. day of the set? Yeah, yeah we I, about, I don't yeah, remember right.
3: which. Uh, that was probably in the Bill Murray episode. Yeah,
4: yes. that's, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just a just such a such a funny guy, and just such a nice guy too. Never hear anybody say anything bad about him.
2: That's what I. That's what I was just going to say. Is I've heard everybody loved him. Yeah. So, uh, move on to, uh, the dearly departed Robin Williams. Yes. The saddest event of this year is I think it's, is him passing is him going away. Um, but comedians, you want to talk about just all over the place comedians. Well, Rob, Robin Williams is just quite possibly the ultimate in how the hell did we get here type comedy.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Robin Williams, a lot of his stuff, just kind of walk out on stage and just go?
3: Yeah, I mean, he started in a place where there's a lot of impressions, which is that sort of vaudeville style comedy where a lot of stand up comes from. But he very quickly goes beyond that to doing impressions, not of specific celebrities, but of types and even types that might not exist, but that, you know, as soon as he starts doing the voice. Like that character he creates, like I know what this character is all about now that he's doing this character.
4: And he really, I mean, especially early in his career, he really was very funny. I, I didn't care if I lost a lot of care about him when he just kind of became a character of himself. I mean, you, it got to the point where, I mean, you could even see it in his eyes as he was like, you know, saying things to people. And he was just looking at them like, why are you laughing at this? This isn't even all that funny. (laughs) But like, I mean, and he I think that's part of why he ended up in the place he ended up, because he just he felt like he was trapped in this world of being Robin Williams all the time. Mm -hmm. And and he just, you know, I mean, it's a it's a thing that a lot of the a lot of people like, you know, Jim Carrey talk about all the time, too. It's like people always expect you to be on. You could never just be a person. You're always Hmm. just there to entertain them.
3: Well, and he kind of reinvented himself later in his career doing a lot more dramatic roles, a lot of disturbing things, and maybe some of that was trying to get away from being Robin
2: Williams, the funny guy.
4: Right. Which well, was that, the one
2: where he he uh, – one-hour photo. One-hour photo. I, oh, I almost said God. it before
4: you, you – know, you, you want to talk about
2: disturbing insomnia. insomnia. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. He, and that's the thing is that he really could pull a dramatic role. Yeah. Well, there's that actor. legend
0: that that story about the, the him them originally wanting him to possibly be the Joker, but they said he was just too dark.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can see that.
0: Like his take on it was going to be too dark, and it's like I don't doubt it. Just knowing his history and and everything, he I, it's not a surprise at all.
2: Okay, and uh, but yeah, definitely missed. How about uh, Jerry Seinfeld,
4: the the king of observational humor?
2: Yes. Yeah, I mean he gets a
3: lot of uh uh crap basically now for the way his everybody can do the Jerry Seinfeld voice and they're like what's the deal with blah 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 but when it started and it was fresh it was really funny just taking everyday things that have some absurd element to them and like pointing out hey this thing that you have encountered as normal you believe it's like just the way it is if you really look at it a little closer it's kind of stupid
4: and just so so funny. I mean, there's a reason why his why, why he is the the richest comedian out there because he deserves it. He is just very very funny and without even working blue. I mean, I personally find it a lot easier to make people laugh working blue. That's why I do it. I got a lot of respect for somebody that could be that funny without without being crude.
2: Yeah, I don't like him. What? Do not. I don't. I have. I have watched a handful of Seinfeld episodes. I have watched very little of his stand-up, and just was left cold by it.
4: Well, that's it, folks. Good night. <laughs> I can't do this anymore.
0: That's okay. But that's the wonderful thing about comedy is that there's there's a, there's an act for everybody. And I I had never seen him outside of Seinfeld. And then once I saw his stand-up, I realized exactly how funny he is. And he's he is a very talented guy nice
4: i mean like i mean like like like, uh you said earlier josh you know i mean so good at taking the what seems normal and pointing out how absurd it was or how absurd it is talking about like walking your dog he's like if you're an alien watching us he's like who are you gonna think is in charge that you know the, the guy that's walking in front of someone and the other guy's picking his poop up you're gonna think that guy's in charge like how strange it is that we, we we follow our dogs around and pick their poop up.
2: Yeah. All
0: right. What's the deal with dogs?
4: Oh. He obviously said it a lot funnier than I did, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. It's about uh, you didn't do it blue enough.
2: That's
3: the problem.
4: Sam Kinison. <laughs>
3: Sam Kinnison started before he was a comedian, uh, believe it or not, as a preacher. And when he came out with his incredibly angry style of filthy, filthy comedy, definitely talk about a life taking a 180 uh, gentleman who where Seinfeld would say, hey, look at this. It's kind of weird. Sam would scream at you. This is stupid and it makes me mad. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, Sam. I never really. Thank you
4: very much. I, I'm <clears throat> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I never really cared for Sam Kinison. I wanted to. I really liked a lot of his material, but I did. I didn't care for the delivery. I didn't like the screaming. You know, I just wasn't a fan. Which was sad because I really liked. I mean, I liked a lot of what he had to say.
2: I think, uh, Josh, when we did. Um a complete works of Shakespeare. They're in the comedy routine. You did an impression of Sam Kinison on stage.
3: It was pretty much demanded of me as a fat dude with long hair. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. the trench coat too. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> so Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. yeah. I put
0: him in here because I watched him and I remember like being like a sophomore, junior in high school. Some friends of mine were really big into it and it was a thing because it was dirty and, you know, you hickory dickory dock. You know, you get that whole thing around. So yeah. I was standing, you know, you get bored in the bank
2: line, that whole. That
4: and it know, Dane
2: Cook had to have someone to inspire him.
4: I would not right. put them in the same category. Andrew Dice Clay was just pure, just shock and juvenile humor. And as someone who really enjoys juvenile humor, I'm insulted at the level of juvenile humor that Andrew Dice Clay goes to or went to or whatever, you know. I just never found him funny, and that's that to me is the cardinal offense. You can say whatever you want as long as it's funny, and he just was never funny in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that Howard Stern and Dice Clay started getting popular because they were both the like, let's see how far we can push saying things shocking for people's
2: entertainment. Yeah. Right. Are you telling me you didn't enjoy The Adventures of Ford Fairlane?
4: <laughs> never saw it, thank God.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Brain Smasher is a love
4: story. Yeah, that's the. Never,
2: never mind. Hey, I can't even uh, it guy. I I do not know who this is.
4: Very little known. It just was one of my favorites from when I was younger. Uh, dweeby looking skinny guy, very nasally voice, and just a strange delivery, almost like an emo Phillips, you know, but not quite as bad. But just <laughs> hysterical. I mean, Joel can back me up on that.
0: Yeah, no real personality. And when I started watching him, I'm like, is this going to be some sort of like terrible thing where I, I'm going to be like, Pat, why did you make me watch that? But I legitimately was laughing at his his material. It's just really dry, deadpan, kind of uh, somewhere between Mitch Hedberg and, and Jerry Seinfeld. Just kind of observational weirdness. Yeah. yeah. And it works he, for some reason.
3: He was probably best known for the whole joke grenade where he says something that's not obviously funny until you think about it. It's like, oh, that's what he meant.
4: Yeah, and he yeah he is the one that would like mime throwing because he would tell a joke and then like he'd wait like five or ten seconds and some and hear somebody finally catch it and then he'd like mime like pulling the pin out of a grenade and throwing it into the audience. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's right. He actually coined the
2: term "looking seeing here." He coined the term "joke grenade." Yes, (laughs) nice. Stephen Wright, one of my favorite comedians in high school. Oh, so deadpan.
0: Who, oh my! Who God. doesn't like anything about Stephen Wright?
2: He,
4: <laughs>
2: it, and again, he almost has that kind of that kind of joke grenade thing going on too. Yeah, where you know it's like he, it, <laughs> and he's just the just the deadpan conversation, you know, talking and, j- and
4: just total stage, theater of thing. the theater of the absurd. And yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: like, I have I have I've, a friend whose parents are a dwarf and a midget. He's a midget he's, dwarf. He makes a living posing for trophies. I, uh,
0: I, bu- I bought some used paint. It was, it was in, in the, the shape <laughs> of a house.
2: That I, <laughs> I put him on, and initially it's like, you know, everybody in the house is like, what the hell? I mean, because it's like, they, it was the uh, HBO or the Showtime special that had him living in the shack in the middle of a desert, and it had all these little references to his jokes all over the place. You know, he opens up the fridge, and there's a box of dehydrated water in there you know and it's it's but I mean some of his some of his comments was like I woke up this morning and everything in the house was replaced with an exact replica I called my friend said you gotta come over here everything in my house has been replaced with an exact replica he said do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I lost my socks so I called information they said they're behind the couch and they were it's just
4: <laughs> yeah he he's just brilliant
2: yeah good stuff so we got one more on the list and then we'll take a break yeah uh don uh don rickles yeah i
0: just threw that on there because i i I wish i would have listened to an lp when i was a kid but after our our dear friend dennis referred to don rickles as my bastard father i went out and picked up one of his albums and uh, seriously uh, just as funny today as he was back back then and still as funny when he does stand up i saw him on the uh, the Joan Rivers documentary. He was on there doing shows with her for a while, and just a very funny man. Kind of in that Rodney Dangerfield kind of self-deprecating, but at the same time making fun of the audience. You know, I was
3: going to say he's used. known for everyone deprecating as yeah, the master exactly. of yeah. the insult. Hey,
4: hockey puck. He insulted yeah. by Don Rickles is actually like a goal of people. You know, I mean, it's 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 like yeah. being christened almost. Yeah, Don. If Rickles you've never seen him, me.
0: trust me.
2: What? No, I was saying, just being able to be insulted by Don Rickles is awesome.
4: Yeah, and one of my favorite facts about Don Rickles, do you guys know who his best friend in life is? No. Somebody you would never suspect, because as, as filthy as Don Rickles is... Mr. His Rogers. Best, his best friend in life is Bob Newhart.
2: What? Oh, okay. <laughs> See, now there's somebody else that we need. I mean, that was actually another st- amazingly funny stand-up comedian. If you want to talk about oh, dead okay. Deadpan Delivery... His, damn into,
4: comedy into, yeah the, I mean his telephone calls his one way like I mean like his, he, he had this amazing way of like like sounding like he was on a phone call and you would only hear his end of it but you could just completely derive what the other person was saying based on his reactions and it just he made it just so funny
2: have you ever heard um newhart's uh Bob Newhart's uh driver's ed
4: yes that oh. is
2: and and he is so you want to talk about somebody who never goes blue yeah, goes yeah. but is so freaking clever. I mean, the yeah. I, honestly, I mean, a man who, I mean, he wrote his own shows, the Newhart show, the Bob Newhart show, and all that. The ending of Newhart was possibly one of the best endings of a TV show in, uh, that I've ever seen.
4: And they managed to keep it a secret from almost everyone. Yeah, amazing. So, all
2: right,
3: agreed. So. That was a uh, comedy then. I guess we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk about how stand-up comedy and comedians have changed and we got another list of uh comics that we like and uh took a look at for the show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back to the now. And Josh had warned us about this question.
3: Yeah, I I didn't want to cuz I do that sometimes. I'll throw a curveball question at the end of the show. I warned you guys this time that I was going to ask this. And that's, we're talking about comedians that we liked throughout the years. How about comics that, for one reason or another,
2: we just really dislike? Yep, I got one. All okay. right. Sarah Silverman. What? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. She is like chewing piss-covered tinfoil. Um, what does that mean? I, I'm, I, I'm with the other guys on this one, Mike. <sighs> really? No. Nah, yeah. Just don't like her.
0: Huh. No, that's all right.
2: Yeah. Don't find her funny at all. That's I why mean, I
0: said about comedy it's, it's kind of like music. You know, there's somebody out there with a voice that you will connect with and some you won't.
2: And <laughs> and, and if you have a person that you've connected with, then Joel automatically hates them.
0: <laughs> it's a stereotype, and it's not true.
3: Um, I know that Pat and I share one of these. There's uh, Jeff. It's not racist if I make a puppet say it, Dunham. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, yeah I can't I? Yeah, that's another one. I forgot about I him. I mean, the
4: thing about the thing about him that bugs me the most is like he's not even a good ventriloquist, right? Like, he's famous for his puppets, but you can watch his lips move. <laughs> <clears throat> i yeah. mean he's he's the kind of guy that like you know when you're when you're thirteen you think he's funny, and then you get older and you're like, man, this shit is shit
3: yeah i'll <laughs> admit it, uh, for a long time uh, I actually liked his act, uh but you know beyond the stuff with Peanut when he gets into his other characters, most of them are basically taking a shot at whether it's somebody's race or with, with Walter, it's not even taking a shot at old people. It's just a sort of comedy. It's like, oh, yeah, everybody hates Mondays. Yeah, uh, They're just weak, not very well thought out, middle of the road, mediocre humor.
0: And I just realized we we neglected somebody in the then, Adam Sandler. Anyway.
4: um, I wouldn't call him a stand-up comedian.
0: Yeah. No? Okay. Yeah. For some reason, when you said that, I've, I know a lot of people are... All right. So about here's...
4: So here's some people in stand-up comedy that I don't like.
0: Some Um, people? Oh, my gosh.
4: Yeah. Um, Carlos Mencia.
2: Fuck that guy.
4: For so many fucking reasons.
2: Give us one.
4: He's a joke thief. That's the
2: biggest one. Yeah, that's true.
4: And he doesn't even deny it. He straight up admits it. He's like, yeah, if I I hear you tell a joke and I like it, I'm going to take it. I'm going to make it better. Well, that's pretty fucking shitty. Yeah, the... uh (laughs) Because first of all, you're not going to make it better. But anyway.
3: (laughs) Joe Rogan calling him out uh, at his own act. I know a lot of people thought that that was unprofessional, but I love that video.
4: It was so deserved for one. So I don't give a shit about unprofessional, you know.
3: Well, and plus Mencia had been called out by hecklers for his bullshit before. And his big thing is, oh, you think you can do it? You think you can get up and do the act better? Come on. Well, he pulled that without realizing it was Joe Rogan.
4: <laughs> oh.
3: And Joe Rogan
4: will will beat the shit out of you verbally and physically.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now he will,
0: yeah.
4: Yeah. Um Gabriel Iglesias, don't like him, don't find him funny. Aww. I mean <laughs> Sorry, don't uh Cat Williams, not funny. Especially like, at Target. What? Huh?
2: You Cat Williams slapping the target dude around? Oh,
4: yeah, that's right. I did see that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's such a little bitch, you can't even punch somebody, he's got to slap (laughs) him. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, most of the reasons I don't like Cat
3: Williams are for his off-the-stage antics.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's just a prick in in general, but I just don't find him funny. Um, Let's see, who else is there? Uh, Margaret Cho, not funny. Oh,
2: yeah, she's just nasty. I've never seen her stand
3: up. I actually like her stand-up,
4: but I, I, well, I
3: understand why people wouldn't.
4: Yeah, I just don't find her entertaining in any way. Dane Cook. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, that, you can have Dane Cook. Um, that
0: would be my one.
4: one of I them don't them. hate Dane Cook. I don't understand the all the backlash towards him. It's it's kind of almost like a Nickelback situation where it's become cool to hate him now, so everybody wants to hate him. I just don't find I don't him think funny. he's awful. I just don't think – I mean, and honestly, a lot of actual comedians – don't like him because he rose so fast. He, he, he came from nowhere and just was, was selling out stadiums. Well,
0: here's my so thing. A lot on Dane, of, there was a lot
4: of hatred towards him for that. In the, in he, the, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Here's my thing on Dane Cook. I, I've watched his stand-up, and I, I watched some again this time. I'm like, well, maybe my thoughts will be different now because I like him as an actor. Like in movies, I like Dane Cook. I will watch a movie that has Dane. I've even watched uh, Good Luck Chuck because I like Dane Cook as an actor. But his stand up, it's just not funny. And he thinks he's so funny and clever. That's what bugs me about him is that when yeah. I watch him on stage, he thinks he's just the funniest guy on the planet. And he's not. He you really can tell isn't.
4: that he is his biggest fan. That's definitely true.
0: And that's what turns me off about him. And if he was funny and, and did that, I could get behind it.
2: All right. But he's,
3: he's
0: not.
2: <clears throat> you want to get into. Uh... Uh,
3: I got one more because oh. this is a story you guys may have heard, but I, I left it off because this is a guy that I don't – I dislike him, but basically because of who he is as a person, less than who he is as a comic, and that's Horatio Sands. Uh, I've, I've told you guys this story, right? I, I
4: believe so. Uh,
3: a couple years ago at Chicago Improv Fest, uh, I was a staffer, and uh, we had two headliners. Uh, Emo Phillips and Horatio Sands. Hmm. Emo Phillips was awesome. Just like you, th- his stage persona is weird, scarecrow like, awkward guy. Off stage, he is a weird, scarecrow like, awkward guy. <laughs> I saw him come into a bar with a suitcase on wheels, looking around like everyone was trying to stab him. <laughs> and, uh, At the same bar, a bunch of us are staffers and have done comedy stuff, but none of us have made it. And we're standing around talking, drinking, having a great time, flirting with whatever. And Horatio Sands comes in like he is king shit and just immediately starts treating everybody like garbage because he's Horatio Sands. So fuck you. When he joins our group, just like strolls up, joins a circle of us talking like we should be happy to have him. And I'm standing next to this up-and-coming comedian, this uh, little five-foot-nothing British Indian girl uh, from from India with a British accent. Uh, cute girl. She looks over him and she says, y- you know something, Mr. Sands? And uh, this is the first time anyone has acknowledged him. We're pretty much ignoring him and going on with our conversation, and he's just glad, oh, this, this cute girl's talking to me. It's now time for me to get fan. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, wh- what? And she's like, you, you're not that funny. Oh, mm. my God, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody in the crowd was just like, what's he going to do? She's tiny. She's beautiful. And she's just like slapped him down in front of a crowd. He had nothing. He had no, like, witty response. No and then he just, like, <laughs> grabbed his beer, turned around on his heel, and walked away. And that's, that's a sign of a great written, comedian. He, right there. Nobody
4: had written a line for him. That's why he didn't know what to say. So, yeah, that's
3: that's my Horatio Sands story. No,
4: nobody had written a line that he could then break character saying. Right?
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. People we like. Yeah. <laughs> to shift gears. Uh, I have four, but I'll stop. Oh, no. Pat. We know Pat hates everything.
0: Wait, wait, Pat. Well, who was your biggest one that you hated, though? Did you already say?
4: Probably Jeff Dunham.
0: Okay. Wow.
2: Or
4: Larry, Larry, wondered... the guy. Oh, Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, Larry the Cable Guy is a hack, too. The reason I, I can't stand Larry the Cable Guy is Cause, because... Because you really want to haunt
2: Prelosec, too? His material...
0: <laughs> Prelosec OTT. It's a way to go. <laughs> you put it in your mouth, you can chew it up.
4: Get her done. Shut up! His material, honestly, I don't is really good. I mean, he's very funny, but his whole made-up, you know, country boy persona because it's not him. I mean, he's he's a. I think he's a Jewish guy. I mean, it he. It is it, a, I mean, it is
0: a persona. Yes.
4: Yeah, it's definitely a persona. But I'm trying. I'm trying to remember what he. I mean, it, it, what nationality he actually is. But I mean, he's not a redneck. I mean, it's and he's just. He's worth so much damn money right now. For playing this character and, and appealing to the lowest common denominator, and it's, it has just worked for him. And he's,
0: he's actually a short, attractive Indian girl that, with a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: Daniel Lawrence Whitney.
4: Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. That's
3: his real I, name. That is his real name. Huh. Yeah. The third. Although he and it, was it, he was raised on a farm.
4: At his roast, it was so damn funny. Greg Giraldo got up there and he just, like every, every other sentence was, was just like, why are you so popular? <laughs> <laughs> he just kept, kept like trying to do his actual lines and he would just stop and get you all know, frustrated. He's like, why are you so popular?
0: <laughs> you know, part of what made him so popular I think is the way he came about is he used to do call and stuff to radio shows and just do these little five minute one line bits. Did every single show he did like 20 or 30 shows a day where he would call into these local radio shows and do his Larry the Cable Guy bit, same joke to each show, spend his five or ten minutes on his interview, and then would leave. And it was like a weekly thing. And it was kind of a grassroots effort that then turned into him getting on the, the, the Redneck Comedy Tour, which then turned into you know Toy Story and then turned into his own movies. And, I mean, give him credit. He... He made his. He's made himself popular. I think. Oh,
4: I don't. I don't. He was in Toy Story. I just,
0: Not Toy Story. Uh, cars.
3: Sorry. I, I, I'm tempted to make a uh, a reference to Charlie here, but I I think that the uh, the sniper sights would appear as soon as he heard the episode. Why? What are you going to say? Well, no, nothing. Uh, someone has a, a history as a potential future comedian from constantly calling into podcasts, trying out his comedy. <laughs>
2: Oh, Attica. all right. He says switching before the bell tower goes up. <laughs> Patton Oswalt. This is the first time I have watched Patton Oswalt, and was this week, and I thought he was freaking hilarious. Excellent. Yeah, I uh, I forget which one that which uh, which uh, show I watched, but he was he's talking about his daughter, talking about you know just it, he was very I, I almost say down to earth, but I, I, identifiable. And a lot of that nerd humor in there, too.
4: He's an an everyman comedian, definitely. Yeah. But he's very intellectual on top of it. It, it, He's very intellectual, but he's very accessible. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: What's interesting about him is, while it's clear that he's got kind of the more modern... Uh, viewpoint on comedy where a lot of it is a little bit more sensitive to other people. Like you, you look at old Eddie Murphy. There's a lot of gay jokes. There's a lot of racist jokes, etc. And comics don't do that much anymore. Well, while Patton Oswalt personally has kind of a more progressive stance, he also is a big defender of don't be tone police, don't be thought police, and don't engage the war on jokes. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. He doesn't fit the like humorless liberal stereotype and he'll See? come out and get himself in a lot of trouble for defending people that have views very different from his own.
0: And he's one of those guys that I would never seen in a stand up until this week. And uh, it was OK. I, I like him more as an actor and as a person. But I mean, I, I can get the appeal, I guess, because I'd seen him on the Comedians of Comedy tour dvd with him maria bamford brian possein and and zach galifianakis and i literally i don't think i laughed except at maria bamford's set and i love Brian that
4: that is definitely the worst introduction to Patton oswald because that was kind of like a a movie made for fans already it it, i mean you have to i would definitely say watch some of his other stand-up well
0: this week i watched because that was my only introduction to him this week i watched tragedy plus comedy equals time his own personal stand-up bit, and I—I I didn't hate it, but it wasn't—it didn't hit me in the right spot. I guess I don't know. It was just kind of there, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so Perbiglia. Perbiglia. Mike Sommerheim, Verbiglia. Verbiglia. <laughs> Burbiglia. Haven't He's seen
4: when I was talking about earlier that is an excellent <laughs> storyteller. Okay, he has a—he has a um, a ninety-minute show that he does called um, "My Girlfriend's Boyfriend," where it's basically a, bu- a book ended story about how he ended up with his wife um and through through an uh, a car accident basically and it just kind of weaves it seamlessly through time going back and forth between his in, all his you know relationships in his life and different stories about his life just an amazing storyteller and just really really funny and he also has some really funny guitar songs too he he plays guitar you know when he's not storytelling
2: cool craig ferguson okay
4: uh-oh
0: can, can i just say because i'm a newcomer to craig ferguson if we wouldn't have done this show all i would know him for is his late night talk show yeah. i i literally out of all the comedians i watched i would never seen this week he hit me so hard he was so freaking funny
2: which which, which ones did you watch i watched um bah, 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 when no, he was in uh, tennessee
0: Does this need to be said? Yes. And he does the whole bit about how dogs are not barking; they're swearing. Yes. The whole. (laughs) I I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, this is not. This is not the guy that I thought he was. He's hilarious. He's so funny. Yeah. Oh God, I fell in love right there. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: He is. He is very very funny. Yeah,
2: I like, I watch. there's another one where he's talking about uh, experimenting with drugs. He's, <laughs> he does a whole, look, you're not experimenting with drugs. You don't put it in, put it in a vial, spin it around and give it to a dog. He's like, <laughs> he's, but his, his, um, his, his delivery is so good on, on the, on the whole of watching him and telling the jokes uh, when he does that little off kilter smile. You know, just like, "Eh, yeah, I said that type of thing. I mean, his and his, I, I've always been a big fan of Craig Ferguson. I've always liked him. Uh, Will, years ago, was like spent an evening sending me videos of him doing songs on the show, on the late night show. And uh, I started watching some of his, some of his uh, stand up stuff. So Craig Ferguson is definitely one of my favorites.
4: Yeah, he's got great delivery.
2: Yeah, he does. He does.
4: Speaking of great delivery, Aziz Ansari.
3: Oh, my goodness. Like, I was mostly familiar with Aziz from Parks and Recreation. And there's a little bit of his Parks and Rec character in his stand-up persona. But he is so, so funny going from the kind of, like, super popular jokes about Kanye to incredibly nerdy bits about video gaming.
4: Cool. And like his bits he does about his cousins <clears throat> Harris and Darvish, and you know just. Oh yeah, but yeah, him talking about con, uh um 50 Cent, I think it was, I think it was 50 Cent. He said he was in a restaurant with 50 Cent, and he's sitting right behind him, and he hears him order a grapefruit juice. And when the guy drops it off, <laughs> he says, "Yes, why is it this purple?" He see, and he's like, "Hold on, everybody, you're gonna, you're about to see a grown man get explained what a grapefruit is." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I am I'm, I'm going to just say here I watched uh one of his things, one of his bits, uh the live at Madison Square Gardens. I didn't laugh once. Uh,
3: I, I knew by your tone it was like Joel's about to be wrong
0: uh, again. I I, I didn't. <laughs> I mean I wanted to, but I I just I didn't like it. I didn't care wow. for it. I, I liked him as a storyteller, but he just wasn't funny. Hmm. Just my own personal opinion. Wow. I don't hate him. I think he was I, th- I thought it was very entertaining to watch, <laughs> but just not funny.
3: Sorry. Um, there's a guy, the next guy we we're talking about is actually sometimes a little hit or miss for me. I do find him very funny, but th- there are bits where it's just like, I kind of feel like I've seen this before. And that's Jim Gaffigan.
2: Jim Gaffigan, he's a standard... If you, if he's, I want to say he's the archetype, but he's like comedian. Stand-up comedian, Jim Gaffigan. I mean, he does exactly what you expect him to do. And that's why I think you you think that he, you've seen it before. is because, I don't want to say he... But I mean... I don't want to say it, but he's by the numbers. Yeah, He's
4: he's he's very funny, but he's not pushing any envelopes, that's for sure. Yeah,
2: That's the thing, I think. He's
3: got this self-deprecating humor, a lot of stuff about being fat and about how ridiculous food is. And the one thing he's got is sort of his signature bit, which is pretty consistently funny, is this audience member who is offended and weirded out by his comedy and has this kind of whiny voice. You kind of imagine her as a soccer mom like he'll tell a joke and then he'll react to it as this weird audience member.
4: Yeah, it's like, it's like hearing the he, inner monologue of somebody that doesn't know why they're they're listening to Jim Gaffigan tell jokes. Here's
0: yeah. here's my thoughts on Jim Gaffigan and I've seen uh Beyond the Pale and one of one of his other specials. Um I agree with Josh 100% on what you said. I, like I could, after the first 15 minutes I'm <laughs> laughing and then after that I'm kind of like, yeah. But Jim Gaffigan in my opinion, he is He's like the guy that's like, man, I love listening to the real independent alternative music that nobody's ever heard of, like Pearl Jam. He's he's the guy that he's the alternative comic that everybody thinks is so weird and they're so unique that I listen to Jim Gaffigan. So, you know, you ever heard of him? But everybody's (laughs) heard of him. Everybody knows who he is. And uh, that's just, that's just, and uh, nothing wrong with Jim Gaffigan. He's funny. He is. Yeah,
4: I enjoy him. Quite a bit actually okay. and uh, Joel his, his bit on Waffle House is, is hysterical if you Hot get a, pockets
3: Joel gives us an excellent segue though because if you're talking about the real avant-garde the like actual like this is your independent out there crazy comedian <laughs> that people haven't heard of Maria Bamford is some oh. real shit
0: she's so funny
3: I, I, she's, That, like I said hysterical, with the yeah.
0: comedians of comedy bit like I said she's the only one that I laughed at and I had never heard of her before that I mean I'd seen her but I didn't know who she was and she's just so weird.
4: Like whenever but, she goes into like you know her talking about her mother and she does that mother voice it's just like like the whole thing about like, baby look pretty now mommy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sounds like I got to watch this one.
4: Oh, oh okay. yeah. Yeah if you haven't
3: seen her she's another one that is in heavy rotation on Comedy Central radio and she's got a couple of different specials that are real easy to come by and just intense. Very uh, awkward comedy reminds me a little bit of a better, edgier Rita Rudner.
4: Yeah, yeah. I can see that. But with
3: like an emo
0: Phillips
2: vibe. <laughs>
4: yeah, a little bit of emo in there too. Yeah, all right. Check her
2: out, Mike. I think you'd like her. Okay. And then uh, Sarah Silverman. We already yeah. kind of touched on her. Yeah. yeah,
4: I'd love to touch on her, but that's yeah, old, buddy. I'm, yeah, I, I think she's hysterical. I think she, I, I like that she is a, a female comedian that doesn't feel like she has to censor herself. That's just uh, because I, you
2: think it's one more woman who may cross paths with you
4: now that you're doing comedy. <laughs> uh, believe me, that's one of my goals. If I could work my way up the ladder to Sarah Silverman
0: uh, or She would humor. give you the time of day. Uh, I will and,
4: say that Sarah uh, oh.
3: Silverman and uh, Ilsa Schlesinger both uh, have one thing in common, is that they're incredibly pretty girls who work incredibly filthy, and part of their appeal is how shocking it is hearing that come out of them.
4: Same thing with Whitney Cummings, Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Similar.
3: Yeah, But Well, that's kind of the opposite
0: of Maria Bamford. She's kind of weird in a cute, kind of ugly way, but she's not this pretty girl who's being funny.
3: Yeah. Right. Which and I think works for her. That's the thing, is I think when, if you're not familiar with their act, uh, Sarah and then Whitney and uh, Ilsa are all kind of like, you have this maybe pre-canned expectation of what their jokes are going to be about, and you're like, whoa, we got Junior Richard Pryor here. Right. So. All right.
2: Louis (laughs) C.K.
0: I think we can all say, yes, we like Louis C.K., right?
2: I I enjoy Louis C.K. I enjoy his show. I enjoy his stand-up.
4: He is my literal number one favorite comedian of all time, and the guy that I kind of aspire to be like in my comedy.
0: Hmm. Well, I think he's... He's the comedian for our current age group and generation. He is our voice.
3: Yeah, I would say that he's probably my favorite, too. He would be my pick for funniest man alive
2: working. Currently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would agree.
4: I mean, he's my favorite comedian of all time. I mean, I, I don't mean like now. I mean, ever.
2: Wow. Ooh. That's a big stretch, man.
3: I mean, I, I might agree, <clears throat> but I'd have to give that some thought.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'd go that
0: far. But currently working today... And I, I said Eddie, Eddie Izzard is my favorite, probably for then. I mean, I yeah, Louis C.K. is of current working comedians. Yeah.
2: What about oh. uh, John Mulaney that Pat and Josh have seen?
4: Well, if you, if you guys... haven't, I was gonna say if you haven't seen his his special New in Town, I can't. I could not possibly recommend it anymore. I mean, I guarantee you. You will laugh out loud several times. Well,
3: and all of us are familiar with John Mullaney in at least one bit because uh, best dinner, our best lunch ever was a special that Pat and I played for you guys when we were screwing around before the show about what happens when you decide to go to a jukebox and put in What's New Pussycat 17 times with one play of It's Not Unusual somewhere in the middle. Either
2: somebody just played What's New Pussycat four times. (laughs) Or they played it twice and it's just a really long <laughs> song. <laughs> no, that that whole routine I swear my favorite my, my favorite and best moment of that routine has gotta be when the, the anger management guy
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
4: So I I highly recommend that to anybody listening and to you guys that haven't watched it. The John Mulaney, New In Town is one of the best hours of stand up you're ever gonna see. See,
0: yeah, and I'm good. only familiar with him because of uh the Kroll show, yeah. Nick Kroll's uh well, it's over now, but right. that's the only time I'd ever seen him was on that show, and I really enjoyed his work there. So I just added it to my Netflix queue, so I'm going to have to watch it.
2: Cool. Uh, Dimitri Martin? I don't uh, just a
4: very, very funny avant-garde uh, twi- twist on life and, and that kind of – you know, and also just another guy kind of like Carlin who does a lot of play on word type stuff.
3: I'd also call him uh, one of the good prop comedians, like Carrot Top But Funny. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And he doesn't rely exclusively on it for one, you know. Right. And, he, and he's basically all carrot, the majority of Carrot Top's props are just I'm going to do a visual pun with this prop. Right, Whereas right. Dmitri Martin is actually like doing intellectual type things with, you know, other things like so a totally different type of prop comedian, but yeah. Okay,
3: Amy Schumer? Uh Amy Schumer in terms of like powerhouse female comedians who are, are not afraid to take on anybody, any form of pop culture, any form of entertainment and call them out on their bullshit. Uh, her bits from her own show, Inside Amy Schumer, uh, have had me rolling weekly. Uh, I keep up with that show. See, and
0: I just watched her special, one of, a part of one of her specials last night. And I know nothing about her other than I've seen her face and heard her talked about. Uh, she was she was pretty funny, you know. She's not unappealing to look at, and she's pretty blue. But her segues are horrible; <laughs> they're just <laughs> terrible. Like I was like, this is this is junior high comedy level segues. But the um, material was good,
3: and a lot of the stuff I think she's strongest at. Because uh, her stand-up is uh, blue But she also does sketch There's a really good uh, She's wander- jogging through the forest And comes across Patricia Arquette Tina Fey and Julia Louis-Dreyfus Having a party in the woods And she's like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're celebrating Julia's last fuckable day <laughs> Hollywood has decided that,
4: uh, that She's no longer I'm a- fuckable I'm amazed they let me hold out this long Yeah, <laughs> so good <laughs>
0: I saw a still from that, and I wondered what was going
2: on.
3: Yep. Yeah, you should check it out as a Patricia Arquette fan. I think you'd find the whole bit funny.
2: I Brian do love Brian Potion, Posey Posey. Okay,
4: he oh, has. I he is just a very 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 <clears throat> funny guy. Um, and just so so good with the awkward humor, and he's also a, a metalhead, so he has a lot of like uh, musical type humor. Yeah, but he had, um. He he's been in a couple T V shows and a couple yeah, of movies here and there. Been. Yeah. And um uh yeah. what was the Just Shoot Me. He was on that. He's on New
0: Girl now too. As a real. But I, um a, a one of
4: my character. favorite little bits that he did he was talking about how uh nothing ever nothing nothing good ever comes out of night digging. He's like, If you're ever digging at night, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's he's one of those guys that I absolutely love watching him work just just he can be on the screen doing whatever I don't care I love watching him work and he was in the devil's rejects and he was good there his stand-up is funny he's kind of if if um Jim Gaffigan is or no no I'm sorry if Louis C.K. kind of is our voice Brian Posehn is kind of that guy in high school that listened to metal and drove the the El Camino or whatever you know he's that guy's voice but he's so funny he's eh, yeah I'm a fan.
4: All right, Bill Burr. Just a great great shock comedian. Like um so quick-witted. Like if you ever see him in an interview or something, I mean he can you, Well, actually the best way to the best way to see Bill Burr is to look up him dealing with hecklers.
2: I've seen watch? a oh. I've seen a couple of uh, posts about him you know really coming down on hecklers bad. Yeah, but just I,
4: <laughs> or Do you remember? Actually, I played this clip for you guys before. And anybody listening, if you want to look it up, um, Bill Burr talking about um, John Lennon and Chuck Berry and Yoko Ono. Oh yeah, yeah. And just look that up and listen to that. Give that a listen, and you'll you'll see how Bill Burr operates.
3: I forgot that was him. Yeah, that was a really good routine. He took me by surprise. You
0: recommended him, Pat, and he said you guys need to check him out. So I I I made some time last night. I was getting through all my list. And I added him at the last minute and I was like, okay, I'll give him like two, three minutes. I literally sat there for about a half an hour watching because it's, it's not anything revolutionary as far as the delivery or anything, but the content is just really strong. He's a very funny guy and he's, he's tells a good story and he's entertaining to watch. I mean, I, I would definitely recommend him too.
4: Yeah, he's he's like Norm McDonald in a way where he's he's a comedian's comedian. You know, I mean, he's he's the guy that makes other comedians laugh. Yeah. He
0: took me by surprise. He really did.
2: All right, uh, Dave Attell.
4: Just, just amazing drunk humor.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what he's best known for. I actually have a DVD of his uh, short-lived show Insomnia, where he goes through night spots.
4: That's a great show.
3: It was a good show yeah that's how
0: I got introduced to David Tell and I, I watched some of his stand- up and I you know it's all right I mean he's he's one of those guys that he's just kind of entertaining to watch but yeah, he's a lot, he's a
4: lot better I mean as, as much as I like him as a stand-up comedian he's a lot better on a show like insomnia where it's just him and he's just being real quick off the cuff you know and
0: yes sh- his his, his one liner and his regular banter him talking and just kind of zipping you with a shot. Is funnier than his written material.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. He's another uh, para, uh, fan, uh, friend of Louis C.K., if I recall. I think there's a group of those comics that uh, hang out. Yeah. Yep. Cool.
4: And Jim Norton hangs out with him, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Whitney Cummings? Kind of talked about her already. Yeah. Yep. Zach Galifianakis?
4: Yep. Zach Galifianakis is another one of those <clears throat> a theater of the absurd types. He just, you know, so, such good weird observations and just so funny
2: i haven't seen his stand-up or the one where he's playing the piano and that sort of thing
4: like live
0: Mm -hmm. at the purple onion or something like that but his
2: between two ferns oh man (laughs) is honestly i mean it's honestly i think i laughed so hard at those like the one where he interviewed um who's that dipshit singer the kid Justin Bieber. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. That was funny. Where he ended up spanking Bieber.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's have. like, I've never, I've never interviewed an infant before. What, <laughs> what did you get in your Happy Meal today? You know, it was just. <laughs> I,
0: I can't decide on Zach. I sometimes I kind of I enjoy him, and other times I'm like, I don't get it. Like I watched that live at the Purple Onion comedy thing, and I, I don't think I laughed once. It just it. It's weird and I get it and I understand what he's going for but sometimes I just I don't find him funny like he's trying too hard almost to be weird.
2: Um just to sneak him in at the last as a as a uh um yes John Panette, who actually died last year who did the whole you eat too much oh,
0: we'll be yeah. yeah. you'll be here for hour
2: you'll be here for hour you scare my wife his <laughs> his. his his comedy, especially getting near the end, uh, where he does this whole sketch about being on a tour in Europe, and he's in France, and he's I'm sitting here and I'm eating this food, and it's so small, and there's little food and little this, little that, and he's like, I reach a point where I would kill for a, for a bowl of pasta. And then I say this to my, me- to my agent, and he's like, well, you know, Italy is like a 45-minute drive.
4: He's, he was just like <laughs>
2: so. I mean, he's but his. I, I. It's one of my, you know, sneak him in at the end. I thought, think he's one of my favorites too. So what's and weird is wanna...
3: like I always felt about John Pinet, like John Pinet, Ralphie May, and to a lesser extent Louis Anderson, kind of had the same act.
2: Yeah, they got they got that same gig. I just think out of I think I don't know. I just like uh, John Pinet in his, but you know, he has a little bit more flair to him than louis anderson i think sure so my
4: last one i want to sneak in real quick um i forgot to mention (laughs) with jim jeffries oh jim jeffries is so good he is just so so funny and just and and again brilliant writing material is so good delivery is so good i mean
0: oh i
2: like uh, a lot
3: last one i want to sneak in (laughs) pat whaley (laughs) Patrick
2: Whaley? Aw, you're being all nice. Well,
3: if everyone else is going to take one last swing, uh, I I kept putting him into the uh, list, but uh, Mike Kaplan, spelled M-Y-Q, has this very, like, self-deprecating, incredibly nerdy, like, vegan Jewish humor. When... uh, he, all of his bits uh that I hear on Comedy Central radio he's one of the guys that just his delivery consistently gets me to laugh out loud when he comes on the radio more than anybody else nice okay i want to go back to pat though seriously if you if
0: anybody out there gets a chance to watch well i'm just i'm not just saying this to be nice pat when i first heard you know your your thing went up to to go watch it i'm like you know it i've known pat for two decades now you know i'm sure i'll like it but i wasn't sure what to expect like i didn't know if it would really be as funny as it ended up being i mean i literally i was impressed at how good it was and and how much i actually did literally laugh out loud at your jokes so i to your credit i i like what you're doing so i just had to say that yes you're welcome
2: all right so uh, so what's on the uh what's on the plate for next week All right. We have done one of these shows about once
3: a year since we started. Uh, The first year, we uh, actually did the Billboard Top 10 then and now. Last year, we did music videos then and now, which had a little bit of crossover. It's been long enough since we've had a music show that we're going to do a 2015 edition of the Billboard Top 10 then and now going to be taking a look at the hits from 1985 and what's hot on the pop music charts today
2: yes so as mo- as many of you that may have started between the last time we did this and now you think we'd be a bunch of cantankerous old men complaining about the music you may be surprised last last show I learned I got, I got some new new bands off the last couple shows so
0: it wasn't what I was expecting it to be like, honestly. And it's always yeah.
3: fun, and I, I think it's going to be something that we're going to do either every year or every other
4: year, our yeah. big
3: music show. And this will be our newest edition of it.
4: Yeah. Check out what the kids are listening to.
2: What's <laughs> your music and your things and your stuff? Oh, uh, the sh-
3: hippin' and the hoppin'.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, if you want to get a hold of some of our older shows... You can go to iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. We've got the archives over there. Uh, Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. Yeah,
3: if if we had a comedian that uh, you thought we didn't give enough time to, because we were running real short since we had so many on our list, or someone was like, I can't believe you guys forgot to talk about this person, uh, let us know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely give us a call if you think we missed somebody or, uh, you know, Joel is wrong about who he likes and doesn't like.
3: <laughs> what? We're angry that we didn't spend 10 minutes on the fact that Louis C.K. lived for the first 10 years in Mexico and didn't speak English till he was like 10.
4: Yep. True story. Yep. Yeah.
3: So That's yeah. what I got. <laughs> All right. So All right. I, I think uh, until next
2: week, uh, we're signing out. Yeah. Hey, you guys have a good night and we'll uh, talk to you next week.
3: Now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends.
0: Seven hours, i got to record another show.
4: Hopefully we'll be done by then.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You
4: ready? All right. Got it. Michael? Okay.
2: What am I doing?